Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. The Old Testament reading for today is from 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, and invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked and saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinad and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Samu pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Christianity. Yes, Christianity, it does not function like everything else in the world. In other words, the world typically looks at outward appearances. You've got it. The world looks at outward appearances, whereas the Lord God, he looks at the heart. Indeed, he looks at the heart. Indeed, unlike Christianity, the world looks at the appearances of a person, a place, a thing, an idea, to make a judgment, to make a discernment, if you will. For example, in America right now, larger cars and trucks and SUVs have been more popular in the United States for quite some time than perhaps smaller vehicles. Bigger is better. That's the appearance. That's what's valued. Furthermore, in America, there's often a preference for spacious houses with larger square footage. 
Additionally, portion size of our meals in America, in America, in restaurants, are larger compared to other cultures and countries. This preference for size can be linked to the notion, the notion of abundance and prosperity, the frontier spirit historically associated with the American experience. Furthermore, in America, we have historically valued things that are, yes, heavy. As I say, things that are heavy are viewed as, well, solid and durable, made with supposedly better materials. Whereas things that are light, well, that's just flimsy and cheap. In the church, we think this way as well. For example, we've accepted the idea that loud noise and big groups, a lot of activity, and a busy-looking social media account for a church are what constitute a vibrant and healthy church. That's the appearance. That's what we look for. Indeed, just look at church's social media accounts, and you will see that often, yes, often the emphasis is not on what is being confessed and taught and preached, or given, for that matter of fact, but rather on how many people attend a particular event or what the church actually accomplishes. Now, to paraphrase a 20th century theologian, he once said this, Pastors and churches in our hectic times are harassed by the temptation to seek size at any cost. They are greedy for thrills and surface stimulation. Yes, surface stimulation. Tragically, Christians like to spin their wheels in the church, burn the gasoline and make a lot of noise without getting anywhere while enjoying the smell of rubber and the exhaust of power. Now, speaking of social media, it's important to keep in mind that in our personal lives, we tend to showcase selective portions of our lives. Let's say it that way. Selective portions of our lives that highlight only the positive moments. Well, there's nothing wrong with this. I need to be very, very clear. There's absolutely nothing wrong with this. It's good to share those wonderful moments in your life. It's good to do this. However, there is a catch-22. And that catch-22 is this, that the world often sees only an idealized version of people on social media where only, well, only the happy moments and the nice-looking times are shared and not the mundane, not the low points of life. Indeed. And so, to the point, yes, to the point this morning, the world tends to look and seek outward appearances. The world has a way of judging a book only by the cover. However, again, this is not how Christianity functions. Take a moment and examine and recall that reading from 1 Samuel that we read here for our Old Testament reading this morning. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we hear that the Lord sends Samuel to anoint the future king of Israel. Now, one would immediately think that a future king would be, well, perhaps tall, commanding in presence, so forth. However, the Lord God, as we heard, and as we hear from the rest of the scriptures, never bases his decisions on mere outward appearance. God does not function like the world. 
And so listen to what the Lord says to Samuel. When Samuel comes across and he thinks he spots Israel's future king, he comes and he looks and he sees this man, Eliab, and he looks at him and he thinks, oh, maybe this is the one. But listen to what the Lord God says to Samuel. Now I remind you again that Eliab was good in his outward appearance. He was tall. He fit the part. But loosely stated, this is what God's response was to Samuel. He said this, Looks aren't everything, Samuel. Don't be impressed with Eliab's looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges people differently than humans do. Men and women, they look at outward appearances. God, though, he looks into the heart. He looks into the heart. And so, to the point, the Lord God did not seek out a king based on an outward appearance, but he looked for a future king who was after his own heart. In other words, the Lord God did not tie himself to an external outward appearance, but he sought. He sought out a future king who would not run after other false gods, idols, if you will. You see, the Lord God was more concerned about the future king's inner disposition and his character rather than his appearance and his height. Now, at this point, we actually need to pause and be very careful. You see, in our culture right now, the culture that we find ourselves in, there's a mindset that says this, and you've heard this before. You have all heard this before. And that mindset goes like this. You can't judge me, only God can judge me. That's right, you cannot judge me, only God can judge me. In other words, the you cannot judge me, only God can judge me kind of mindset, that mindset, it actually suggests that other people cannot judge you because they do not truly know your inner character. This mindset also suggests that our perceptions of one another is limited, that only God can truly criticize. Now, to your surprise... Now, hold on. To your surprise, for the most part, we can agree with this. Again, bear with me. You see, we would agree that we cannot base our judgment of each other on solely outward appearances. For if we do this, it is, well, rather superficial. Furthermore, making judgments only on an outward appearance is a sure way to go down the road of breaking that Eighth Commandment. You see, without knowing a person's thoughts and desires, we can easily put the worst construction on people's outward actions. And finally, when it comes down to it, we must affirm that only God can judge the intent and the purposes of the human heart, for only God is able to know a person's inward thoughts and desires. But this is where it becomes, and this is where it gets, very, very interesting. Indeed. Now please hear me out even more closely. You see, if God is the only one who can accurately judge the thoughts and the desires of our hearts, which is indeed true, then we're in deep trouble. Indeed, we're in deep, deep trouble. Let me say this as clearly as possible. Yes, there are going to be people in this world who will judge you and me incorrectly and superficially on only outward appearances. When this happens, it is wrong. It's superficial. It's short-sighted, and it's a typical junior high mentality of small-minded people. However, if we are more comfortable 
This is the kicker. If we're more comfortable having God judge our hearts rather than other people judging our outward appearances, then we're very naive. And at best, well, actually I should say at worst, a fool. At best, naive. At worst, a fool. You see, when God looks to the heart of mankind, when he looks to the heart of mankind itself, we actually stand condemned. Remember, remember what the Lord says in the book of Jeremiah? Remember what he says about our hearts? In Jeremiah chapter 17, God does not say that our hearts are morally pure and good and full of warm, pious sentiments, but instead the Lord God says this, that the heart, yeah, the heart, your heart, my heart, is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so the point being, be more concerned about the one who can see your heart than the one who can only see your outward appearances. Again, be more concerned about the one who can see your heart than the one who can only see your outward appearances. But didn't we just say that God chose David to be king because he was a man who was after the heart of God? And if so, if this is the case, was David the odd man out? Did David have some sort of cleaner heart than most people at that time? Hardly. Now, dear friends, King David, he had his faults. He obviously committed sin. Remember that one time when he had sex with another man's wife? He actually got her pregnant. And then to cover up the whole thing, he had that woman's husband killed in battle. David's heart was hardly pure with these deeds. He had blood on his hands and a sick, sin heart to boot. Indeed, David, he committed sin just like you and me. He was guilty of great offense outwardly and inwardly, and yet he was a man after God's own heart. And so, dear friends, what made David a man after God's own heart is not that he did not sin, now, it is indeed true, we, we need to set this right. It is indeed true that he ruled outwardly as a pretty faithful king during his tenure as king. However, inwardly, in his private life, what made him a man after God's own heart is that his flagrant sin was met, get this, his flagrant sin was met equally with bold repentance. Thus, we could say that David lived as a man after God's own heart as he trusted in the promises of the Messiah to be washed clean from the guilt of his sin. He rested in the grace of God that made him whiter than snow. He rested in a God who could create a clean heart and renew a right spirit within him. And so the point is very clear this morning. Dear Christians, when the Lord God cuts through the Lord God comes and he cuts through all our superficial facades, all those facades that we put up. When the Lord cuts through that, when God comes and he removes, he removes our outward decorative masks that we often put on, when God comes and he pulls the outward curtains back and peers in, when he shines as a light into our dark hearts, when he looks right to the very core of our being, right here to our hearts, he judges you not according 
to the appearances of your heart, but according to Christ's shed blood. God be praised. He judges you not according to your appearances of your heart, but according to Christ's shed blood. And he says to you, your iniquity has been atoned for. Your sin has been washed away. You are as white as snow. Well done, faithful servant. And so today, by faith, you shall cling to Christ in your hearts. By faith, you shall cling to Christ in your mind. By faith, you shall cling to Christ with your body because things are never as they seem in the Christian faith. The Lord does not base his verdict of you on your outward appearances. And hear this clearly, he certainly does not base his verdict of you on the appearance of your heart, but he looks at Christ's nailed, scarred hands and the shed blood of the cross to declare you clean, forgiven. Forgiven outwardly and inwardly for Christ's sake. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.